If you want to see something new and fresh, then it starts with the hard ground of our hearts. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, go to plainfieldchristian.com. Enjoy today's podcast. Morning, church. Uh, My name's Luke. I get to serve here as one of the ministers at Plainfield Christian Church. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad you're with us, and we hope to meet you face-to-face soon. Now, before you guys start judging me, we're like 10 seconds in here. Can can I answer the first two questions that I know are on your mind at this particular moment? Uh, Number one, yes, my washing machine works just fine. I did not run out of clean shirts. And uh, number two, no, I'm not colorblind, okay? Uh, We just want to make some waves. We're we're riding this VBS theme. It's been a blast. It's been a good time. Um, uh, One of the great events one of the great men of God throughout history was a man by the name of Dwight L. Moody. And Dwight L. Moody was not this uh, like a crazy extra talented guy. He wasn't overly educated. He was a normal dude. He started out his life as a shoe salesman, but he just loved to pray and he loved the Bible and he loved broken people and he really, really, really loved Jesus. And God used Dwight L. Moody to do some amazing things. Throughout his ministry, he helped to raise and lift countless people out of poverty. And this is like before the era of, of television preachers and the whole nine yards and podcasts and stuff. But before all of that, God still used Dwight L. Moody to declare the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to over 100 million people during his ministry. Just an incredible man of God. Because early on in Dwight L. Moody's ministry, God lit a fire in his heart. And one night he was walking down the street with his buddy. They were just talking, you know, having a conversation. And his friend just said, kind of an offhanded comment. He said, Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who's fully consecrated to him. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is fully consecrated to him. And that comment just struck Dwight L. Moody so deeply that for the rest of his life, he lived saying, with God's help, I aim to be that man. And God used him to do some amazing things. And I still believe that's true. I believe that the world has yet to see what God can do with a group of people who are fully surrendered to him. I know we're kind of mixing our metaphors a little bit here today. We've got the whole beach theme going on and making waves. We also have a good old Indiana plow here with us right now because we're still flatlanders at heart, right? But like Morgan said, we're wrapping up this series called Renewal where we've just been telling some stories of great things that God has done through his people throughout history. And we're using those stories as a springboard just to dream about what God might wanna do in your life and what he might wanna do here in this church. And we've been drilling down just on one verse of scripture together, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. And for for the rest of the day, I'm going to read the words in white, and I want you all to read the words in yellow. Sound good? Let's read Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 together, where God says this to his people. He says, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. So we've said that if we want to see renewal. If you want to see something new and fresh happening in our country, in this community, in your family, in this church, then it starts with allowing God to break up the unplowed ground. We allow him to till up the hard ground of our hearts. And after that, we sow the right seeds, seeds of righteousness. That means just do the right thing where God has you right now. And then the prophet Hosea says, we break up the unplowed ground, we sow seeds of righteousness. And then he says, it's time to seek. Break, sow, and seek. It's time to seek the Lord, he says. 
Men, I wanna talk to you here for just a second. I wanna talk to the men in the room. I believe that the world has yet to see what God can do with a man whose heart is fully his. The world needs to see a man who's gonna stand up with courage and lead his family in prayer, even if it feels awkward, right? We've thrown around the statistic a lot this year that roughly half of marriages end in divorce, but multiple surveys say that if the couple will put just one habit in place, if they'll pray together every day, the divorce rate falls to less than 1%. The world needs to see men who are gonna lead like that. Ladies, can I talk to you? You are the spiritual heartbeat of this church. You are the spiritual trendsetters in our country. Every survey you, you, you read will say the same thing. And the world has yet to see what God can do with a group of secure and godly, fully alive women who are fully surrendered to him. And kids, you're in the room, and I love that you're in the room today, and I wanna talk to you. Look at me, kids, look me in the eyes. Just like Mr. Morgan said, you are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. And the world has yet to see what God can do with a group of young people whose hearts are fully his. It's time to seek the Lord together. And that's what we're gonna be talking about here a little bit today. We're gonna be seeking the Lord together. And I love this story here in the Old Testament where where God's people, they cross into the promised land, they cross over the Jordan River, and when they do, they finally get to this land that God has promised them, and Joshua, their leader, stands up before the people. They're surrounded by all these other countries and all these other nations that are worshiping other gods and they're chasing other things, and Joshua says this to the people. He says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve but as for me and my household we will serve the Lord and throughout this whole series that's been our prayer for you that's been our prayer for your household that no matter what anybody else around you says you're going to seek the Lord so eventually today I do want to ask you the question of what are you seeking what are you chasing what do you want but before that if we're talking about seeking the Lord together then I think today we have to start by asking the question what is God seeking What does God want? And I think we find the answer here in Matthew chapter 22 in the New Testament. You're probably familiar with the verse where Jesus says that the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's what God wants. God wants people whose hearts are fully his. That's what God is looking for. That's what God is seeking. God wants people whose hearts are fully his. And the whole Bible talks about that. Even back in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 16 says it like this. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. So God's looking for something. What is God looking for? To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God wants people whose hearts are fully his. Can I tell you the story behind that verse? It's a true story. It's a story of what God can do with somebody whose heart is fully his. It's also a story of the tragedy of half-heartedness. Uh, Way back in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the nation of Judah, God's people, they were kind of a hot mess. And this guy named Asa became the king of Judah. And the whole country, they were doing all kinds of bad stuff. They were worshiping other gods. They'd forgotten to seek the Lord, to worship the living God. And so Asa decides that he wants to bring renewal to the country. And so he starts to break up the hardened, unplowed grounds and to sow the right seeds, to do the right thing. So he starts to tear down all these idols where the people are seeking things other than God. Take a look. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 14 that Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah. 
and the kingdom was at peace under him. So Asa leads the people in this nationwide movement of stopping doing the wrong things and starting doing the right things, this thing called repentance. And actually, he goes so far to smash everything that's standing in the way of seeking the Lord. Take a look what he does. This cracks me up. Second Chronicles chapter 15 says, King Asa also deposed his grandmother Mecca from her position as queen mother because she made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Listen, you know you're wholehearted in your devotion to the Lord when you're willing to fire your grandma, right? Like Asa says, whatever it takes, we're gonna smash everything. Get out of here, Grandma, you're done. You are threatening the spiritual health of this community. Anything that's standing in the way of us seeking God, it's gonna get smashed. That's what we're gonna do too, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I don't know what your story is of your faith journey, but, but that's my story a little bit. God had to smash some idols in my heart when I came to him. I grew up in a ministry family. I got baptized when I was seven. I believed in Jesus as long as I can remember, but I was pretty half-hearted in my devotion to him. And when I was in college and I really started to fall in love with this cute girl who was in love with Jesus, so I had to get in love with Jesus too. Um, and, and when I really started to fall in love with Jesus, he started to go on this like spiritual conquest through my heart of breaking up this hard ground so that I would truly be wholeheartedly devoted to him. And this one verse haunted me throughout my whole college career. Psalm 86, 11 said this. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And I saw that I had a divided heart. I'd been half-hearted in my faith and, and, and half-heartedness is an inappropriate response to a God who has wholeheartedly loved me. And I grew up working on a farm. I wanted to be a farmer when I grew up, you know, the whole nine yards. And so with that, I kind of slipped into the culture that comes with that and some of the vocabulary that comes with that. But when I started to follow Jesus, he just like took his plow to my filthy mouth and he haunted me with this verse from the Bible, Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, where the apostle Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And God, God smashed that idol in my heart. And I, I knew that I loved to be entertained by things and I loved to laugh at things that were repulsive in the sight of God. And so when Jesus came and started smashing these idols in my heart, all of a sudden I'd go back and I'd watch those old movies that I used to love. And it was like sitting down and watching it with your grandma, right? Like just kind of made me squirm. It was just, it was just awkward and I, I can't do it anymore, you know? And, and I, was, I, was, I was greedy and I was a liar and I was lazy. And so God broke up the hard ground of my dishonest, lazy heart with another verse that haunted me, Colossians chapter three, verse 23, which says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Little by little, God took his plow to my heart and he broke up the hard ground. He smashed anything that was stopping me from being wholeheartedly chasing after him. And listen, I'm still in that process every single day. I hope you are too. I hope you're letting God work in your heart to that degree. I hope you're waking up every day and saying, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it? Because, because if we wanna see renewal in our country, in your family, then it has to start in us. A.W. Tozer says that if we wanna see renewal, then our most pressing obligation today is to do all in our power to obtain a revival that will result in a reformed, revitalized, purified church. It is of far greater importance that we have better Christians than that we have more of them. God has to shape us. He has to break us. He has to make us like him before we could be people worth multiplying. And we see that in the life of King Asa. Back in the Old Testament, after he smashes all these idols throughout the country, God blesses that renewal. He gives the nation peace. But then their wholeheartedness to him was tested. Take a look what happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 
And by the way, you're welcome for not making you guys read all the names parts, okay? Because I got to slug through this. Here we go. It says, Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots and came as far as Marisha. Asa went out to meet him and they took up the battle positions in the valley of Zephathah near Marisha. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come out against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. So even when pressure comes, like even though he has a big army, Asa still trusts God. He still remains wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. And you know, it's really easy to sit here in church, maybe you've even have a good week, and to say, yeah, yeah, God, I, I, I love you with all my heart. But you never really know what your heart values until what you love is threatened. Um, like stress reveals where we place our trust. That's why COVID was kind of the great revealer of whether people were really in or really out to this faith thing. Like, like when your marriage is on the rocks or your, your kids are rebellious or your political ideology is threatened or, or money is tight or your health is failing, in that moment when the stress comes, where do you turn? And for us, my prayer for us is that when the pressure increases, our dependence on God would increase all the more. Because that was true in the life of King Asa and, and he relies on God, God gives him victory and so God sends a prophet and he gives King Asa this wonderful promise. He says this in 2 Chronicles 15. He says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And that proves to be true for Asa and it proves to be true for us. That's the promise for us that like, if you're with God, God will be with you. If you seek him, he will be found by you. He's not gonna hide from you. He's not gonna play hard to get. He's not gonna make it difficult. If you wanna seek after God, if you want him, then you will find him. And, and, and this truth is true for Asa. As long as he keeps seeking the Lord, the country has peace. But eventually, Asa kind of grows stagnant in his faith. He slips back into half-heartedness. And after 35 years of peace, the country comes to war again. Take a look at what happens. Second Chronicles chapter 16. It says, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. So Asa, he's threatened here. The pressure's on. I assume it's not the first time he's faced pressure or military threats from enemies. He's a king, this kind of stuff happens. And so far in the life of King Asa, every time the pressure increases, the dependence on God increases. And he goes to God in prayer. And so at this point in the story, when he's threatened by a foreign army, we think, okay, Asa's gonna go back and he's gonna pray. He's gonna trust God. He's gonna give God his whole heart just like he has done every other time. But this time, instead of entering more deeply into a trusting relationship with God, Asa just makes a treaty with another country to get some military aid. He says, you know, actually, I think I can get out of this one on my own. God, you can, you can take the day off. I'll just do a little bit of a political maneuvering. I think we'll be okay. And if you keep reading here in the chapter, like it actually appears to work. He gets out of the pickle. He defeats the enemy. They even get some plunder. He gets rich in the process. It appears to work in the short term. And you can do that. Listen, you're smart people. You can figure out how to fix most of the problems in your life. But it will have long-term spiritual ramifications. God sends another prophet to King Asa after this in 2 Chronicles 16, verse nine. And the prophet says to him, he says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth 
to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing. And from now on, you'll be at war. So this is what God is seeking. The prophet says to King Asa, he says, God is looking for people who are gonna trust him. God stands ready to make all of his power available to those whose hearts are fully his. God's just looking to help people. And it used to be you, Asa. What happened? What happened? And whereas in the past, Asa listened to the prophet and he honored the word of the Lord, this time Asa only increases his hardness of heart. He throws that prophet in prison. He starts oppressing the people of God. And here's how King Asa's story ends in verses 12 and 13. It says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. That's heartbreaking. This man who beheld the miraculous power of God over and over and over again, he'd seen God do great things on his behalf. And yet I bet that if you went and asked King Asa how he was doing at the end of his life, you know what he'd say? He'd say, man, my feet hurt. Like, Asa, are you serious, man? Like, you're, you're the king of God's people. He's done miracles for you. Is that all you can think about? Man, my feet hurt. Asa, have you, have you talked to God about that? Like, he's worked on your behalf over and over again. Man, I, I've got doctors. I think I'm okay. Like, Asa, doctors are great. I'm thankful for good physicians. Did you even think to ask God about it? He's like, man, my feet hurt. And that's the deal with half-hearted people. They just get consumed by problems that are relatively trivial, and they're unable to zoom out and look at all of the difficulties in life in light of the goodness of God. Man, it's heartbreaking. And yet I read this story. If you're anything like me, I read this story and I don't think, man, how could Asa do that? I read this story and I think, oh yeah, I do that all the time. Like, I'm constantly distracted by smaller things. I, I constantly get thrown off my games by, by, by things that don't matter as much as I think they do. I, I'm constantly turning to and trusting things other than God, and yet the promise to Asa is still the promise to us today that God is looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully his, that if we're with him, he's with us, and that if we seek him, he will be found by us, that he's standing ready to help those who will seek him. Just look at some of the amazing promises God gives to those who seek the Lord. This is just like skimming off the top. You should go look up some more later this week. But God says, if you'll seek him, 2 Chronicles chapter seven, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Don't you wanna see that? Man, I do. Jeremiah 23 God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All your heart. He says, give me all of you and I'll give you all of me. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. He's ready to hear and answer our prayers. Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. James chapter four, verse eight says, come near to God and he will come near to you. We've said all along that a common element for every renewal movement in history is that God comes where he's wanted. And God wants people whose hearts are fully his. It's time to seek the Lord. So let me ask you, now, 
What are you seeking? What do you want? Like what, what is your dream? What's your, what's your plan? What's your goal? Where does your mind wander? Where does your money get spent? Where does your free time go? What does your mental energy get devoted to? What do you worry about? When, when the stress hits in your life and the pressure is on, where do you turn? What are you seeking? And I want you to know that the God made us. He made you for himself. And that anything you chase other than him will ultimately leave you empty and unsatisfied. But for us, as a group of Jesus followers, in this particular cultural moment, when we are living in a community and here in Hendricks County that is growing rapidly, becoming more diverse, it's changing in a hurry, we're living in a country that is increasingly fractured and violent and divided and uncertain, and yet we're living here in this church and we're riding this wave of momentum that God has brought here, I'm here to tell you, it's time to seek the Lord. Nothing less than him. I don't know if you're a sports person or not, but there's, there's, a, there's a principle in sports that kind of applies here, whether you've played before or coached before, been on a team, but, but you know, the clock determines the play. The clock determines the play. Like you don't play in the last two minutes of the game like you played in the first quarter. So before the coach ever calls a play, he has to look at, okay, what, what time is it in the game? And that'll determine the kind of play that I call or the kind of speech that I give to the team. Because if you're like down five points after the first quarter, you just say, hey, it's all good, guys. Rough start. We got lots of time. Go. Let's, let's refocus. Get back at it, right? If you're down eight points at halftime, you can say, man, guys, that was rough, but we're, we're going to run a few different plays here. We're going to adjust the defense a little bit. We got a lot of time left. Come back. Second half, fresh start. Let's do this. If you're down five points after the third quarter, you're like, hey, guys, this ain't working. Are you, are you all in or not? We going to do this? We got one quarter left. Let's make this happen. And then at the two-minute warning... At the two-minute warning, if you're still down at the two-minute warning, it's all bets are off. Whatever it takes. You guys ready? Are you all in? Whatever it takes, get ready to bleed for this. The clock determines the play. And listen, church, we're in the two-minute warning. And we're standing here as Jesus followers saying, whatever it takes. You know what time it is? It's time to seek the Lord. The wave is here. The harvest is plentiful. Pick your metaphor, but the truth is the same. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes, Hosea says. We're not gonna stop until we see him bring renewal. And seeking the Lord, let me say this in love. Get out your steel-toed boots because I'm about to step on your toes. Ready? Seeking the Lord means more than just coming to church for an hour a week or 50 minutes a week, because there are those of you in the room who come in after the first two songs, right? Preacher just took a shot, didn't see that one coming, did you? We can see you from up here, believe it or not. It's crazy, right? No. I'm messing with you, kind of. Uh, <laughs> and let me say this in love to those of you watching online, like it's really hard to watch one hour of spiritual content a week and to be fully spiritual, spiritually alive in Jesus Christ. Like God made you for more. God made you to wake up every single day and say, okay, God, what are you saying to me and how do you want me to respond? God made you every single day to keep dragging your heart back into God's presence. God made you to dive deep into his word and to grow in your relationship with him in prayer and to learn to listen to him and to bring your cares and your requests to him. God made you, every single one of you has gifts and abilities and resources that he wants you to leverage for the good of his kingdom. God made you to grow in relationship with his people. That's what it means to seek the Lord. It means waking up every day and praying this prayer that we've said is our prayer for us as a church during this particular season. Habakkuk chapter three, verse two. Amy read it earlier, but let's pray it together here right now. Let's read this together. Here we go. Lord, I have heard of your fame. 
I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Do it here, Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Let me tell you a story here as we close um, of just one man who did that. Kids, you learned this week that God made you with a purpose and God called you to follow him and that, that God can trust, save you if you put your trust in him and that God can use you as you grow to be like him to make waves all over the world. And I wanna tell you the story of just one man who decided to seek the Lord and how that led to you being here today. Uh, about 300 years ago, a little over 300 years ago, there was a man in Germany whose name was Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Aren't you glad your mama didn't name you that? I'm really impressed I said that correctly right now, okay? Um, we're just gonna call him Count von Zinzendorf for short, even though it's not very short. Um, and, and Count von Zinzendorf, he loved Jesus. And he didn't just believe in Jesus, he loved Jesus. And out of the overflow of that love, he looked around at the things he had. He said, okay, I have a lot of money. I have a big property. I'm gonna use my estate to create a safe place for refugees, just a place for people who've been kicked out of their homes. And so he, he created this little place there on his estate. And eventually one little refugee came. And then that refugee brought about six more. And they just kind of kept trickling again in until a little while later, there was a few hundred refugees there living on Count von Zinzendorf's property. And so he decided he was gonna build this little village for them where they could live to worship Jesus freely, no matter where they were from, that they could just come and live and worship in safety. And so because all these people kind of had some different ideas and different personalities and they'd come from different places, when they settled in this village, it wasn't long before they kind of started arguing about each other and, and not agreeing on stuff. And the, the, the village was divided by all this conflict. And Count von Zinzendorf, he was only 27 years old, right? He, did, he didn't know much. I'm 20, 28 years old now, so I'm so thankful I know so much more than I did when I was 27, right? It's a joke. Um, it wasn't a good one, but it was one. Um, and, and Count von Zinzendorf said, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to solve all this conflict here, but I do know how to seek the Lord. And so he just went house by house just to talk with these families, to hear what was going on and to pray. And then eventually after he did this for a while, he called the whole village together and just said, hey, we, we need to seek the Lord together. And so they just brought everybody together and they just started praying. They had a prayer meeting and they prayed and they kept praying and, and they prayed late into the night until the point when the prayer meeting was supposed to stop but none of them wanted to leave. They just kind of kept praying. And later on, they would write that, that on that night, they just decided that they were gonna love each other no matter what. And, and they held this prayer meeting and the prayer meeting just kind of kept going and, and they kept praying in that room with that same fire burning. Somebody kept that prayer meeting going in that room praying for over 100 years. They didn't stop. They just kept on praying, kept on praying, kept on praying. They kept the fire burning and the prayer going. Men, women, even the children in the village would come to pray. They kept this prayer meeting going. And 24-7, and they sought God. And the waves of their devotion swept across the world. This little group, they called themselves the Moravians. And, and about six months into their prayer meeting, Count von Zinzendorf came and and he felt God burdening him to send some missionaries around the world. He just said, I feel like we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth like Jesus said. And, and that sounds cool now, but that was absolutely radical back then. That was before the birth of the modern missions movement. It was kind of unheard of, but he challenged the Moravians. He said, I feel like God wants us to go. And so that week, 26 young Moravians stood up and they said, yeah, we'll go wherever Jesus wants us to go. 
And so they went to the West Indies and they went to Turkey, they went to Georgia and Amsterdam and to the Native Americans across the ocean. They went to Romania and Greenland and Constantinople and all over the continent of Africa. And by the time Count von Zinzendorf died just a few decades later, the Moravians had sent 226 missionaries all across the world from that little village of 600 people. And the modern mission movement was born. And all the while in that same room with that same fire burning, they kept the prayer going. And their devotion to Jesus was so fierce that the Moravians would even like sell themselves into lifelong slavery, knowing they would never get out just so that they could share the good news of Jesus with enslaved people who would never be able to hear it otherwise. And all the while, back in Germany, the village kept praying. They kept seeking God together. They kept the fire burning. Well, during that whole time, uh, one group of Moravian missionaries was sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. They were gonna be missionaries here in the colonies in Georgia. And while they're sailing across the Atlantic, this chaotic storm comes up, blowing the ship all over the place. The mainmast of the ship snaps in half. And the passengers on the ship, they just all start panicking, except for the Moravians. They remained calm. And one of the passengers who'd started to panic saw the courage of the Moravians. And he thought, man, what is different about these people? And a while later, he watched a Moravian father bury his child. And even though this father was grieving, he continued to worship God. And he thought, I don't know what's different about this people, but, but I want whatever those Moravians have. And so he went to a Moravian meeting and there he gave his life to Jesus. That man's name was John Wesley. And all the while, back in Germany, that little village kept praying. They kept seeking the Lord together. They kept the fire burning. John Wesley went on to become a preacher. Uh, my wife and I actually named our youngest son after him. His name's Wesley. And, and the fire kept burning there in Wesley's heart. He was so broken by the secularism that he saw all around him in his home country of England that he just started preaching. And when the churches kicked him out because they didn't like what he was saying, he started preaching in the fields and people started coming. And John Wesley founded the Methodist movement. And it was the preaching of John Wesley with the preaching of some others that kick-started the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening was this revival movement that spread from England all the way across the Atlantic to over here. It's to this day the greatest renewal movement that this continent has ever seen. Hundreds of thousands of people surrendering to Jesus. And all the while, back in Germany, the little village kept praying. They kept seeking the Lord together. They kept the fire burning. Well, a few decades later, here in the freshly formed country of the United States of America, on the college campuses, there were some little groups of these Jesus followers, these Methodists who were shaped by the teaching of John Wesley. The country was really secular back then. In the year 1797, there were less than 10 Christians on the campus of Yale University. But when that small group decided to pray in 1797, within five years, a third of the student body had become Jesus followers. And we know universities are kind of on the, the leading edge of the philosophical thoughts of our country. So when renewal swept throughout the college campuses, it spread across the whole country and the second great awakening was born. And all the while, back in Germany, that little village kept praying. They kept seeking the Lord together. They kept the fire burning. Perhaps the greatest event of the Second Great Awakening was called the Cane Ridge Revival in the year 1801. It was down near the Tennessee-Kentucky border. And people from different churches and different denominations come together at this little country church and they just were gonna pray together. They were gonna take communion together and seek the Lord. But a renewal movement broke out. 20,000 people showed up. Services were held around the clock. I've been to Cane Ridge. I've got to stand in the pulpit where all of this happened. And from that week and that revival, there was a little group of frontier churches from different denominations who just wanted to get together, back to God's word, back to unity, back to seeking the Lord together. And they called themselves the Restoration Movement. And all the while, back in Germany, that little village kept praying, kept seeking the Lord together. They kept the fire burning. That was 1801. 
just south of us. A few years after that, a little group of 17 of those restoration movement followers of Jesus moved west of Indianapolis and they started meeting for worship under a grove of trees. And in 1829, they built a little log cabin and Plainfield Christian Church was born. And all the while, back in Germany, the little village kept praying. They kept seeking the Lord. They kept the fire burning. All because one man said, yeah, I'll use what I have. As for me and my house, we will seek the Lord. Church, God comes where he's wanted. Psalm 53 verse two says, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Are there any who understand here today? Are you willing to say, yes, I want you, Lord? For the rest of the service, our prayer team's gonna be gathering around the perimeter of the room. They'll have the green lanyards on. And man, if you need to give your whole heart to Jesus, to say, yes, Jesus, my heart is gonna be fully yours, I'd encourage you, we're ready for you. Go talk to one of the members of our prayer team. If you know somebody who needs to be fully belonging to Jesus and surrendering, go pray with them. Uh, go, go, go pray for them with our prayer team. If you wanna just pray for our community or for your family, if you as a parent or a grandparent with your kids in the room today wanna go pray with a member of our prayer team to just say, yes, we're gonna rededicate ourselves to being a house that we are going to seek the Lord first and foremost. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, we just read, it says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God stands ready to empower those who are gonna seek him, who are gonna want him together. The eyes of the Lord are looking across Hendricks County for a church that's gonna say, yes, Lord, we're yours. The eyes of the Lord are looking across this room right now for a man, for a woman, for a child who's gonna say, yes, Jesus, my heart is fully yours. And we are always going to be a church that seeks the Lord in the resilient conviction that anything that God has ever done at any time, he can do now. And that anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. And that anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for us. Let's pray. God, our prayer um, for this series has just been that you would stir up in us a hunger and a thirst for you, that you would whet our appetites and give us a holy imagination to dream together about what you might wanna do in this place through us, in this community. And we're excited for what you have in store. We don't know what it is, but we're along for the ride, Jesus. And we wanna seek you. We want our hearts to be fully and completely yours. So keep breaking up the unplowed ground in us. Keep sowing your seeds of righteousness and truth. Help us to grow into your image so that we can seek you more and more fully. And we know, God, your word says we can only love because you first loved us and you have loved us. You have sent your son who sought us first. He said he came to seek and to save the lost and I was lost. So thanks for finding me filling me with your spirit so that I can seek you. You didn't love us with half of your heart, Lord. You loved us all the way, sending your son to die and rise again so that we could know you. And so, Father, we are eager here to see what you will do in and through us because I believe the world has yet to see what you can do through a family, through a man, through a woman, through a child, through a church that is fully surrendered to you. And it's in your name, Jesus, that all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship him together. 